0: Peace, my people. You're tuning in to I Must Be Bugging, where black, gifted, and otherwise neurodivergent folks celebrate our special flavors. If you've ever questioned your perspective in a world built for the masses, welcome home. I'm your host, Sheldon Gang, and I appreciate you joining me on this journey as a late-identified black, gifted man. Together, we'll rewrite the script on neurodiversity by celebrating our differences, challenging the status quo and breaking free from old narratives that label us as deficient. In each episode, we'll explore the stories, experiences, and of course the curiosities of black gifted adults and other neurodivergent people who are underrepresented or unidentified in a world where normal can also mean harmful. So continue with me on this journey of self-discovery, empowerment, and acceptance. I Must Be bugging is creating safe spaces, sparking conversations, and making sure our voices are heard. Thank you, and welcome to the fourth episode of I Must Be Buggin'. My name again is Sheldon Gay, your host. As always, as always, so excited to to have you all here. Um, We're building something special here. Every time I do this, I get someone that, you know, just shares how much these different conversations mean to them, either to help them, you know, see themselves or to see someone else in their life. So continue to please share continue to to show up. um, And let's, like I said, let's just continue to build community together. Uh, Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. It's kind of an ask uh, me anything conversation. Um, You know, it's an opportunity to dig into some things that particularly gifted people wish that people knew, that, you know, that they didn't have to keep answering questions on or, you know, just judgments that people have on our behaviors that they don't quite understand. Um, and so I'll get a little bit into that later, uh, but let me tell you a little bit about kind of what brought this on um, or what kind of feeds the energy that you'll experience in this episode. Right, so yesterday I, or the other day I was on a call with a group of gifted and multi-exceptional people. Um, it's a for a group that I'm very much so honored to be a part of. Um, we had hit a growth milestone and so we sort of threw a mini party over Zoom to welcome new members and just share community. Uh, and so the biggest thing to come out of it, and it always seems to come out of these meetings, is how much we're longing for ways to stop feeling alone. You know, there are hundreds of people in this group, probably now over 600, and, uh, you know, frankly, thousands in other similar groups. Um, and yet so many of us are still looking for community right we just know all too well the feeling of being alone despite having all these different groups that exist um because it's hard to find find ourselves right i mean to be quite frank right you know they say the gifted population is whatever two percent of the population even if you consider that to be you know a low number if we say the the the, you know five percent of the the population that means that out of a hundred people that you meet Right? There are only four other people out of every hundred that you meet that are likely to be like you. And that's not even to say that all gifted people are alike. Um, I may have mentioned this before, but that's just, again, that speaks to the the reality of feeling alone, not just, you know, whatever, somebody uh, just having feelings that of that. Right, if There's a reality of just, again, you look around and finding people that can really get you is really, really difficult just from a a numbers perspective, I guess, right, Um, and as much as it hurts me to hear, you know, I'll never, ever tire of hearing new members expressing their appreciation for the group and how it lets them know that they're not alone, right, it's painful to think about that that depth of, of loneliness, but that means that the group has even more power in that way, right, and so I'll never get tired of that. So many of us are late identified or what I might call continuously questioning, right? It means that regardless of how smart, quote-unquote, we are or, you know, how smart we appear to be, we're still just humans seeking a sense that we're not going through life's journey by ourselves, right? Um, And that's really what all of us are doing. Every human is just trying to find the truth, the proof that, right, that we're not alone, that we're not just existing in our bodies and in our minds and everything else is, is separate from us. Um, and I won't get metaphysical today, but, uh, you know, take, take that and and run with it as you, you may. So it also means that we're looking for safe, safe places, I'm sorry, to explore ourselves and the scary questions that we believe no one else is asking, right? And that we have no one else to ask of, right? Um, you know, particularly without worrying how, they, how they'll how they react. I was talking with someone today, one of the things we were talking about is how many of us are really open to knowing that judgment-free zones exist. And that question is, you know, at least based in the fact that so many of us grew up in judgment-filled spaces. And so the idea that you could share something without somebody judging you, um, you could have a thought that's kind of weird or unconventional and people might not try to shoot it down like it's it can be a difficult thing to accept uh and so this is again this is why this this group is so powerful um there's a special joy in realizing there's someone else who says i do that too right like it's not just your weird quirk by yourself like there's somebody else that you can look at and, and, and see yourself in that mirrors you um you know, so as I said, you know, one of the deepest pains that anyone can experience is the feeling of being alone. And some even say that you can have people in your life, but still feel alone. And that can be worse, um, right, than just simply being solitary. Sometimes that's in a romantic relationship where your partner may, may even be in the room with you, but has no idea what's happening in your head or your heart, right? That's a, that's a terrible place to be. You know, maybe they feel, or maybe you feel, I'm sorry, like they can't relate or you've tried to show them and they simply wouldn't or couldn't get it. And, you know, it could also be the feeling of watching others seemingly be able to easily relate to each other, right? And not feel weird. But also, on the flip side, feeling how hard it is for you to fit in. And, and for you to find people who don't have strong reactions to the ways that you show up in the world. You know, it's, it's almost like reminding people of what you want for your birthday. Knowing that they got it because you know you've seen them unwrap it in front of you but painfully realizing that they'll never give it to you right and if you're gifted and looking for community i'm saying this now go ahead and join us on facebook and the bloomers gifted and two eight adults group i'll put the link in the notes um you know so having said that uh like i said i'm going to share some things gifted and otherwise neurodivergent people want you to know that will hopefully help you better understand us and create safer spaces for everyone You know what we're trying to do is limit the places where people don't feel safe to be themselves even their quirks Uh, i hope it also reaches some people who may not have had the opportunity to step into their identity as gifted people and you know who become who may become curious about whether they can find home with us so you know let me just kind of jump in here and, and just share these things uh with you um and like i said i'll read these things out pretty pretty much as they are um I think I might have explained it, but let me re-explain it if I already have. You know, what I did was I just, you know, went to a couple of groups and just asked, like, hey, what are some things you want people to know? And I got, like, all these responses. And so I picked out a few that I'm going to speak to. Um, I'm, my plan is to, to continue to do this kind of stuff so that, again, we can just take time where we just simply try to remove the the stigmas around things and just, again offer opportunities to, to create more empathy around certain behaviors. So the first thing that someone says is, I wish people could understand the intensity and overwhelm without thinking that you're a psycho, right? And so those are their, their exact words. And this is, you know, a really important thing. Um, The, 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 I'll read this other one because it aligns with this as well. It says, I also wish they understood that telling me not to overthink, to not be so sensitive, to not dwell on bad things in the news, to just suck it up when my senses are overwhelmed, etc. is like telling me to stop breathing. This is not optional. And I want you to really listen to that, right? This last part, again, is, is really, really key, right? It's like telling me to stop breathing. This is not optional. And that's the reality, right, for uh, us, you know, as neurodivergent, and, and like I said, in this case, particularly as gifted people, there are what are called overexcitabilities. And what that means is that, you know, we have things about us that are just, you know, super intense, whether that be, you know, in the smells, in, you know, how our body wants to move, whether it be about the thoughts that we have. And I'll, you know, take two seconds, give me a second, I'm gonna read off the overexcitabilities to kind of give you an idea for what those are, uh, playing some Jeopardy music, (laughs) uh, hold on one second, okay, so just to read them off, right, there's a psychomotor overexcitability, and let me also take one step back as well and explain that overexcitability, uh, doesn't really mean, you know, too much, what it really means is that, you know, there's a greater capacity for So as as I read these off, don't think about, you know, you, if it's for you, if, you know, that you're showing up as too much in these ways. Think about it as you just have a greater capacity, a greater sensitivity, a greater awareness of these things. Um, So the first thing is psychomotor overexcitability, and so this can show up in a number of different ways. It could be compulsive talking, compulsive organizing, you know, rapid speech, you know, uh, you know a preference for fast action sports and you know um you know competitiveness all this kind of stuff right so this thing where your body just feels like it just needs to 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 move quickly or just you know again that there's so much energy for you to kind of release into the world the next is sensual overexcitability, and while that may bring up certain thoughts which frankly are part of these right the craving for pleasure the intensity with which you can feel pleasure um and and you know I won't go into this in depth, but you know just even talking about pleasure, what this can mean is that you have people who are um, sensory seekers and sensory avoiders, right? Because if that that sensation is so much for you, sometimes you might go and seek it because it is you know it is that gives you that high, and then sometimes that might be overwhelming, so you avoid it because it's just too much for you, right? So there's the craving for pleasure. You know, the sensitivity to pollution, as I mentioned, the sensitivity to smells, tastes, textures of foods. I know for me, that definitely applies. Um, It's not as necessarily as extreme or intense as others, but I know I'm definitely sensitive to to smells, tastes, and and textures. Um, So that's another one, intellectual overexcitability. And this is typically where most people are, uh, you know, most familiar with what giftedness comes with. Um, And I think I already mentioned, but just to be clear, overexcitabilities are not only the domain of gifted people. And not all gifted people say that they experience overexcitabilities, but there is a, I'll say, a strong correlation, right? Um, But intellectual overexcitability, right, that includes analytical thinking, avid reading, a deep curiosity, independent thinking, um, love of problem problem solving, and many more, right? Um, So that's, I'm not going to go into that, I think, again that's something that's pretty straightforward for people. Um, uh, Imaginational overexcitability, you know, this is somebody who might daydream a lot, right, who might have a fear of the unknown because their mind can kind of create these different, um, you know, visions of, of the future or of what's happening. You know, this may mean a good sense of humor. Maybe it's that person who does have, you know, a lot of, you know, witty, witty jokes to tell, or love to tell puns, um, a love of fantasy, vivid dreams, different things of that nature. And there's also emotional excitability, emotional overexcitability, I'm sorry. And so this is something that may come with anxiety, right, concern for others, depression, just extreme emotions, loneliness, um, you know, a physical response to emotions. So uh, you know, stomach aches caused by anxiety, for example. Um, just different things that just mean that you experience those emotions intensely, right? If you are an empath or you are a hypersensitive person or highly sem- sensitive person, I'm sorry, you are very familiar with emotional overexcitability. So, sorry, I had to take a couple seconds to just make sure that I explained those things. Um, but having said that, right? If you're experiencing these things, it it you, you have to understand that when you're interacting with someone and they seem to be silent or they seem to be, you know, just kind of overwhelmed, that there may be uh, these things going on. Right? There may be really intense things going on, and sometimes people look at that as someone's numbed, you know, or someone doesn't have anything to say or they're not thinking anything, right? As you know, it says things that we're not trying to overthink about things um we're not trying to be too sensitive some stuff is caused by trauma but then some stuff is just like i said if that's just innately how your body functions trying to tell someone to not do it is like telling someone to turn like like they said to stop breathing it doesn't it's not going to work right i know people know uh when somebody says That you're right, you you don't tell somebody who's upset to not be upset. You you don't tell someone who seems to not be calm to calm down, right? It doesn't work, it doesn't help. Um, It's similar to that, right? And so just be mindful of that, that there may just be a whole lot of stuff, just really intense stuff going on. Um, So here are some other things, right? It says, I truly never, and I literally mean never, want to hurt anyone or be the cause of anyone's difficulties. Believing that I may have done so is a cause of a lot of distress. So, again, this kind of speaks to that emotional intensity and that empathy. You know, you you may want to share something, and particularly when you have um, some interesting insights to share that may get to the core of someone's pain or trauma or a a way that they're not necessarily seeing things, it it may be hard to share that with them knowing that they may get defensive, knowing, knowing that it may upset them. Because not only in that moment are you going to feel your feelings, which are already intense, you may then be feeling their feelings, which just turns the dial up even further. And so again, in those moments, it may seem like they just don't care, they're not, you know, present with you, um, or whatever. But it really might be. I don't feel safe sharing with them because I don't know how I'm going to react, and I also don't know how they're going to react. And so one of the things that you can one of the things that you can do is make sure that you're always creating spaces where you're able to stay regulated right and where you can you're able to not judge what someone's sharing where you're just able to just listen to them and and hear what they're saying and and validate what they're saying even if you're not necessarily 100 percent in agreement with it maybe you don't 100 percent understand it in the moment but just making space for people um dealing with that um so another thing somebody says it says i wish people knew about me that sometimes i feel their intense feelings in my body and this makes me super anxious, guilty, and desperate to set myself free of this feeling. All right. So this is speaking even more deeply to this. It says, these are the times when I become too controlling or, or trying to fix things or not even listening to what they say, making assumptions. I wish that they knew. And again, here's a very powerful line. I wish that they knew I'm just scared and trying to do my best to ease the tension and intensity in the room. And so, again... Understanding that somebody might be going through an intense experience and dealing with these things. And again, they can even see the, the, the tension in your body. They can even see what you may not be aware of because some of us have challenges with perceiving our emotions and perceiving what our bodies are telling us, but some of us may be able to pick up on that for other people. And so when you're aware of that, it can be a really hard place to be. So just be mindful of that again and to just make space for the fact that someone may seem like they're shutting down because they're, I mean, any number of things you could put into your mind, what it really may be is an opportunity to, to again, make sure that they're clear that it's safe to open up and safe just to share and that there is space for them. Um, this is another thing that says that it's possible to be you know, learning deficient or have a learning disability in areas that don't relate to academics. That yes, some people who can solve quadratic equations can't make a bed. And this one, you know, touched me deeply. Um, I may even know who shared this, but um, this is, again, a common misconception is that, again, you're gifted, so you're just a prodigy at everything. Everything just comes super easy and there's nothing that you shouldn't be able to do because that's how they, you know, The caricatures that we see on TV, whether it be Smart Guy or, um, you know, uh, Big Bang Theory or whatever, right? These things where people are supposed to be just super, super smart at everything. And let me say, I I don't watch Big Bang Theory or I didn't watch it. I don't know if it's still on, but, um, so that might not be a perfect example, but I can say like Smart Guy is definitely one of those like prototypical, you know, this, this prodigy does everything right. Um, but it's tough, if as a you know, in reality, as a human, one of the things that comes with being gifted is literally what they call asynchronous development, and that just means that there are some areas where you are you know off the charts, and there are other areas where you're maybe um, you know at the the norm, or you know at the median, or even below, and that's normal. That comes with the territory, um, and it, particularly if you do have a learning disability you can be gifted and have a learning disability, which again is another set source of trauma because a lot of people are unidentified as gifted because they do struggle with, you know, math or they do struggle with writing or they do struggle with reading, right? And this is another reason why I say like giftedness is not just like this sort of academic achievement measurement. Um, it's really about the complexity and the, the you know, yes, yeah, like the detail in which one's mind works um so again just don't the last thing you want to do is tell somebody you must not be gifted because x right because you can't do x because you're not as good as at doing x y or z right that's a just just don't do it right um another thing someone says is my mind goes in all directions at the same time give me time to express my ideas and this is kind of a common theme that I've been sharing right is that sometimes when people need what time to process it's again it's not about them being slow or not being intelligent or not having anything to say or not having an opinion it's really about that you know they can see so many different things at once and they're trying to process and and really trying to also process that for you because if you could see what was there it's likely you know you'd probably be super confused about it right or at least they're concerned about that and so um So, yeah, I mean, just give people time to to process. Just be patient. Um, Another person says it's difficult for me to get an opinion because I understand both sides uh, of, of, you know, the point of view. And this is something I can definitely relate to, right? Like when you, a lot of people come to a a situation and they only see their side or whatever they kind of came into the situation with um, or a side that aligns with uh, their thinking right but when you can see the complexities when you can see the intricacies and you can see you know 15 20 options where many only see you know whatever five it can be difficult to then take a hard line on any topic because you see both sides or whatever however many sides of you know the situation and again that's not to be taken as something where someone's indecisive necessarily, um, but something where someone can see things from from multiple angles. Um, and, more, and more particularly, right, like this can kind of come up where, um, you know, you kind of bring something to somebody and you're looking for them to simply validate your point of view. Um, or again, people are, there are any number of controversial topics out there. I won't name any of them right now, but I'll just say that there are any number of controversial topics and Sometimes being able to see it from many different angles, both from an emotional and just from a, you know, just from a, a, a rational or a technical point of view, um, it may make it harder for to to ask someone to then just pick only one side. And, and again, in a lot of cases, that may seem weak or indecisive or whatever, but it's really not that. Um, another thing, um, it says. That just because I don't share your interests doesn't mean I think I'm better than them. And this is a, a good one. This is kind of a sneaky one because, you know, what can happen is when you are neurodivergent or part of the neural minority, what interests a whole bunch of people may not be what interests you. And it doesn't mean that you think anything aside from that's your interest and not mine. But we've been socialized to think well, if everybody likes this thing, and you're the only one that doesn't, you know, that there is some sort of problem. And I know that, you know, as gifted people, this can be a big thing, because then a lot of times people attribute that to, you know, oh, you think you're smarter, oh, you think you're better, oh, you think, and that's really speaking to people's social socialization and people's insecurity. But that's tough on the person, because it's like, well, then should I never, you know, say that I don't like something? Should I fake interest in things just so that I don't have to experience that? Um, Instead of thinking that somebody thinks that they're better than you, you know, maybe help them see why you really enjoy it. Because I can tell you a lot of us, even if I'm not particularly interested in a topic, your interest in it can then spark my interest really in you and, you know, what you see that maybe I don't see, right? Um, And sometimes, just to be fair as well, like, there are topics... That maybe we've explored in depth already, and so when you're sharing it and it's your first time, you have that, like, first-time energy, and maybe we don't, and don't take that lack of, you know, spark as, again, just not caring. It just may mean, oh, yeah, I'm aware of that, and you're still welcome to share with me, right? Like, that's perfectly fine. Um, Another thing says, I wish people were more aware of the unique qualities of gifted and, you know, gifted people. We aren't just here for for your use or commodification. We have hearts and minds and souls. Excuse me. We need stuff too. And so this is, again, another really um, important thing. There's so much, uh, there's so many ways in which people try to turn smart and or gifted people into just like thinking about them and what they can do for me, how they can help me, how they can you know, cure cancer, how they can get a Nobel Prize, how they can, you know, build the next whatever, you know, super app or whatever it is, right? And that just turns people into, <clears throat> excuse me, just, just living robots, right? Like they're just commodities to be used for production, but, it, you know, we're so much more than that. Right? We're human. We have feelings. We have needs. We have desires. We have interests. We have all these different things. And when you turn us into just, oh, the only thing I really care about is, <clears throat> excuse me, can you solve this problem for me? That's a really cold, cold, cold place. And that's a really cold way of thinking about it. It dehumanizes. It literally dehumanizes somebody. So just be mindful of those times where you may find yourself doing that. Um, And lastly, it says, you know, I I am not, sorry, explaining myself in order to win, quote-unquote. I'm explaining myself because I truly believe I'm incomprehensible. And so this comes from the fact that so much of what we can share is so different from how other people are thinking about it, or so different from how people are experiencing it. And so a lot of us have kind of built up this expectation that we need to, to explain in super depth, right? Um... That when somebody says something to us, we've got to, you know, demonstrate the, the, again, all the 15 to 20 things that we may be seeing about something. And on the other end, it may feel like we're, you know, trying to, like, beat you over the head with information to, quote, unquote, win an argument. But really, you know, it may be that we just feel like, you know, no one can understand us. And so we, we feel like we need to just keep explaining until someone acknowledges that they hear us. And so, again, taking time to validate what you're hearing. Taking time to acknowledge what you're hearing can go a long way and can kind of cut that, you know, explanation short if somebody realizes, oh, OK, they do see, you know, what I'm trying to say. Right. They do hear me. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, those are just a few things um, that I wanted to share. Hopefully you got some insight from them. Um, and so now that you've heard a few thoughts on the gifted experience, what did you learn? How did it help you see yourself differently? What things made you feel more compassion? What things help you feel seen? How do you think you might react differently the next time someone shares or shows their quirks? Um, the reality is that there's a lot of work to do so that we all feel safe. And to be clear, each of us, right, each of us, whether we are part of the neurominority or not, needs to do the internal work as well to make sure we don't simply ask the world to accept unhealthy behaviors without accountability, right? I'm definitely not saying that anytime somebody shows up and just has, you know, a different behavior, I'll say that any behavior should be accepted. No, like we've got to work on, you know, making sure that, um, you know, if we are speaking a lot or if we are um, interrupting people That we're just mindful Of what that means On the other side If I'm speaking a whole lot I'm not leaving space For other people To share their thoughts Right Or if I'm speaking a lot I may um, Be overwhelming people With information Right And so It's not about um, Not sharing your voice And silencing your voice But it's about like, How do I parcel that out For people Right How do I make sure That somebody's ready For the next nugget Let me give them this nugget And make sure that they're ready For the next one Right As opposed to just dumping all of them and expecting them to be able to hold that which they may not be able to and that's that's perfectly fine right i'm somebody who seeks to find you know more grace and empathy in the world but as i said we also need to be mindful of how we're taking responsibility for how we show up and so i hope this has opened some eyes and hearts excuse me one thing i'm going to ask is just do me this one favor this week and take take this action just let someone know that you see them and their contributions to the world around them. Let someone know that it's okay to be themselves, even if they're different. And I promise you, you'll benefit from it. The world will benefit benefit from it as we model uh, a more you know, just and, and equitable and non judgmental world, right? Making sure that less people feel alone, right? So thank you again. I hope this has been helpful and insightful. Like I said, check the, the notes for additional details and links and resources. Please, please, if you've made it this far, go ahead and leave a review and share this with someone. It really might help someone. You might think no one would care, but I promise you, these things have impact. Thanks, and see you on the next episode. Thank you for joining me for another episode of I Must Be Bucked I hope you've learned something, became curious, and most importantly, felt affirmed by what you heard. Remember, this podcast is all about sharing compassionate narratives about who we are and how we contribute to the beautiful and necessary diversity of humanity. This is our place to unmask and just be. Don't forget to connect with me on IG at I Must Be Buggin', where I'm eager to see you share your thoughts, your experiences, and your stories. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend, leave a review, and subscribe. It helps others who are eager for community find our people. So thank you again for being a part of the I Must Be Buggin' community. I can't wait for the next episode. Until then, stay up and enjoy who you were meant to be. And remember, you're not buggin', you're brilliant.